Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. And I'm Scott. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that is delicious. That's everything you promised. Mm. That's very good. No, thank you. Yeah, the 2015 Syrah from Knights Valley is... uh, it's a very different style Syrah than, than what a lot of people are interested in. In fact, this is more of a classic style, a Cote Roti style Syrah. A little more... So I'd say, what does that mean? <laughs> well, in, in Cote Roti, in, in France, uh, Syrah uh, is made with uh, and co-fermented with Viognier. It's a style that um, picks up, helps pick up the acidity from uh, the Viognier and really round off the Syrah. So it's just not a big bruiser. It's actually a more okay. sophisticated style. Got um, it. And you can even say it can be unsophisticated. <laughs> there you go. Well, for palates like mine, perhaps. Um, but again, I'm learning more and more. And we like the sophisticated stuff. We're just trying to learn a lot more about it, I think. So. Yeah. And, you know, and I agree. I think they're one of the most important things that we uh, get our guests to realize is it doesn't matter what the points are and how many uh, gold medals it has. When you come in here to taste in, in the Thumbprint Tasting Lounge, it's what you like. Yeah. Do you like it? That's as unsophisticated as it gets to me. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's our kind of motto here. Drink what you like, right? So yes. you're right. It doesn't, all the other stuff doesn't matter. But I guess we should say who we are. <laughs> um, so Scott, welcome. You are the winemaker. Uh, is that the official title? Well, yes. I actually promoted myself to oh. director of winemaking operations. Nice. So I direct the winemaking now. Okay. Um, <laughs> at, at the ripe age of over 50 and 25 harvests under my belt, uh, my body has taken a toll. Just a, so, few. <laughs> yeah, a few harvests. So I'm letting the young guys uh, do all the, uh, all the work. And I say guys, but the young team, um, we have uh, two women on staff this year as well awesome. that, are, that are helping at Harvest. Yeah, and that's here at Thumbprint Cellars in Healdsburg. Very happy to be back. So, uh, oh, we're glad to have you back. Yeah, And thanks for making the time because... This is going to not be released. I think it's going to be a few weeks before we release, but we're right, or you're right, I say we, like it's me too. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome to join us. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm trust. I'll let the young guys uh, and the team do that. Smart. But uh, right in the middle of harvest right now. So uh, thanks. Appreciate you making the time. And this is is kind of a crazy time of year, right? Yes, definitely. And this is uh, about a normal harvest for us. Uh, We're we're getting the crush of it, the crunch, the the bulk. Most of the, the grapes are coming in toward the end of September. Uh, the last couple harvests uh, have been a little early where mm, most of the, the harvest was done early September. We had a wet winter and a mild summer, so everything has kind of balanced out and we're getting a little extra hang time and just extraordinary flavors and looking like another great harvest here in Sonoma County. So, so that's a good thing then, right? That's a good thing. I always wonder, because it's like, I mean, is, you know, what's good and what's bad, right? Because it can make a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I've always said it, it's kind of like cheating to be a winemaker in Sonoma County because of the, the microclimates and the weather and the soil. Everything that, that we have as far as winemaking is kind of set up for us to be successful before it even comes into the winery. Great growers that are growing amazing uh, wine quality grapes in just the right locations. 
Yeah, and it's a great climate. It's it's pretty. I mean, of course, there's you know the heats and the droughts, and there's always the years. But it's, as a whole, it's it's pretty consistent, I would think, right? Or yeah. from what I've heard. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, typically, no rain or very little rain from June through uh, October, which is our harvest season. Rain can create an abundance of problems for us, and uh, and it doesn't get so hot and stay hot. We'll have our typical weather, summer weather pattern where it will heat up for three or four days and then it'll cool down. And then of course every night it cools into the 50s and 60s. So you get the grapes to cool down so they're not constantly under pressure of heat. It's become such a well, I mean, well-known region worldwide. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, I mean, it's really for California, but even for the United States and I mean, it, it's rivals and has rivaled and, and won against many of the other uh, wine growing climates in the world. So it's a great place to be. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, ask me, I'm a little biased, obviously. <laughs> I, I grew up in the Bay Area from a young age, have been coming to Healdsburg as a kid, then as a wine appreciation fanatic, and then to just being immersed in the industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love it. And I still keep trying to find a reason to, like, live here. And not that you need a reason, but, you know, I, I think you need to... Oh, maybe you don't need an excuse. Maybe I just need to, to do it, right? Yeah, come on up. All right, I love it. <laughs> um, well, I want to talk a little bit too before we dive in. We are going to talk about Cab Franc today, the the grape, the varietal, and all the wonderful things about it. But first, I've I've heard a few things about your history here, and I want to kind of confirm or deny and or get some of the story because it sounds fascinating. Okay. So, uh, my understanding, you are self-taught. You just kind of decided, hey this wine thing looks cool. I think I'm going to do it. Is that true? <laughs> More or less. Yes. Um, I was in college and, uh, had the opportunity to study art history in Florence, uh, oh, over wow. the summer between my junior and senior year and came back just absolutely mind blown with what I had seen my first exposure to this. And talking with my folks and seeing their grapes ripening in their front yard, I thought, Oh, that's oh, awesome. I'm going to make wine. After some negotiations, we decided that I'd get a couple garbage cans full uh, that I could make them uh, turn the grapes into wine in my garage. Okay. Um, <laughs> and they my, trusted you with that. It, well, <laughs> they they said their their thought was just stay out of the way <laughs> there you and go. Do, you can do your thing. Okay. Uh, so it started as a hobby uh, in our garage. Uh, my wife bought me a book, How to Make Wine in Your Garage. I kind of thumbed <laughs> through point, it, right? right? Yeah. You know, how, how Not to Mess It Up was kind of my, my thought. Mm-hmm. The first vintage turned out pretty decent. Uh, we bottled it and drank most of it. And nice. The holidays came around, so we thought, oh, let's share it with our friends and family. Mm-hmm. So I started to uh, put you know, paper labels on them. And my wife said, no, 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 let's here. I got you one of these gold pens. Do something. You're an art major. Do oh, something yeah. artistic, artist, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so I read the, the writing on the pen. It says shake vigorously. So I'm shaking and shaking and then push the tip in and I'm shaking and I'm like, wow, what am I going to do? That's artistic. I have no idea how long I was shaking the pen, <laughs> but when I pushed the tip in, the ink just exploded out of the pen. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So it's dripping off, trying to drip off the bottom and threatening to drip onto the countertop. So I'm kind of now mopping it up with my thumb so it won't drip off the counter. And I'm yeah. Well, that's artistic, right? It's kind of big splash. <laughs> I guess yeah, that's what well, I'm going with. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, it looked a little obvious that it, it had been an explosion <laughs> there. But Yeah, so you're mopping it off. So yeah. I'm mopping it up, and, and now I've got it on my thumb, and I inadvertently stuck it on one of the other bottles, and it left this gold thumbprint. 
so I kept mopping and putting my thumbprint on and like I meant to do it or something. Yeah, so yeah. we show up at the party, give the wine away to our friends, and um, they drank it right then and mm -hmm. there. And we're asking for more of that thumbprint wine. Oh. So, you know, That's light bulb the name. went on. Uh, it just... And this was your first batch, you're saying? Yeah, this was the very wow, first batch. Wow, and they're already asking for more. So you said it was pretty good or decent. So I'm thinking like, all right, you did okay and perfected over time. Apparently, it was good enough they're coming back for more your first batch. Yeah, well, the next year I had to sell it to them. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm doing air quotes on sell to them. Yeah. It ended up being uh, from a hobby turned passion at that point. Nice. That is awesome. I always like to kind of hear the different stories. And actually, which... Now makes me also realize we're, we're, we're all over, which is totally fine. That's what we do all the time. But we also like to cover, first time we have somebody on, kind of your history or relationship with alcohol. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we just did that or if there's something different you kind of want to share around that. True story. It actually started when I was about 10. Mm -hmm. As the youngest sibling in our family at our big formal dinners, uh, be it a holiday meal or somebody's birthday, my role was to open the wine that we were going to pour for As the evening. As a 10-year-old. So with that came, you know, I had to polish the glasses. And oh, so wow. so uh, they were kind of grooming me to be a sommelier at that point. <laughs> um, so I would do this and, and I would, you know, get a little sample of each of the bottles that I opened. Mm -hmm. So I quickly realized that if I poured all the wine to everybody and opened another bottle, I'd get another sip. Okay. So, <laughs> so by, by 11 or 12, I was realizing, um, you know, that cab didn't go that well with the salmon last time. Maybe we should try that with the filet mignon instead. Wow. And so I was making recommendations and sometimes they listen, sometimes we're having the salmon anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and over the years coming up here uh, with friends, we realized um, what a great spot this was. And, yeah. and Healdsburg uh, is now where my folks have retired. And they have um, a, a small vineyard in front of their place, which uh, is fun to play around with. And yes. uh, we, we've, we've been through a lot of, of different incarnations. And Well, that's awesome. That's, that's a fun story. I love that. And, and I like, I think I find a lot of the people that, and I've kind of said similar things before, that, that manage either, that just manage their alcohol well and or kind of really find that, I don't know, passion, skill, whatever, they come into it young like that and it's not this mystery it's not this thing that you know the parents are hiding from them or whatever and then 21 you know you're magically not going to drink and then 21 you're magically going to start drinking and be perfectly responsible and all that other kind of stuff so i think that exposure when you're young makes a big difference and apparently on the palate as well for you anyway yeah so um the other interesting thing that happened as growers my folks were allowed uh, a decent grower percentage off wine that they purchased from the wineries that they supplied the grapes to oh okay so the old um send me with a note to go get wine at the wine shop downtown <laughs> where they were uh, in their on their list to get their discount. Yeah. And so I, I show up one day with with, you know, I'm picking up wine for my folks and they said, oh, would you like to taste while we're putting that together for you? And at the ripe age of 18, I realized to say, yes, I do. As a matter and, of fact, <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, from from there on, I became kind of a regular at the tasting rooms. 
And granted, this was 30-some years ago where, you know, if you're going through the steps, if you're doing the the uh, swirl, sip, and uh, spit, mm-hmm. uh, and listening to the, the hosts that were pouring wine for you and having them give you the details about malolactic fermentation and, and why this red wine is so dynamic, and really just wanting to learn more about wine as I was, it became more of an education to me and an opportunity to refine my palate. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's no surprise now hearing all this that your first batch was great and just continued to get better and better over time. So that's awesome. Yeah, continue to impart more ideas of quality, uh, working closer with the growers to make sure that they understand what we're looking for in the grape quality so then we can translate that into the higher quality of the wine that, that I want to make. Yeah. Now, of the wines that you guys make here, and you've got several, we're thoroughly enjoying the Syrah right now. I was here previously uh, with Josh, and we did a tasting, and we went through several. But the ones you guys are really, or I think you're most proud of or most well-known for, I don't know how you would verbalize that, I'll let you do that, but is the Cab Franc. Mm, yes. So tell me a little bit about that and, and why that grape. Well, Cabernet Franc is one of the five Bordeaux varietals. So you've got Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, and Malbec. Mm -hmm. And I make all five of those as standalones, and I make them to blend as well. Mm -hmm. They're somewhat accessible here in Sonoma County because of the different soil and microclimates that we have available. Petit Verdot and Malbec are a little bit more scarce. But Cabernet Franc has actually been a very popular blending varietal for um, decades. Yeah. Uh, I first had an opportunity to pick a small amount of that when I um, started my home winemaking. Oh, okay. Uh, so my, you've been playing with it since the get-go. Yeah, about my third year, okay. I started making a little bit of Cabernet Franc. And my first commercial vintage, I had just enough that I thought I was going to blend in. So I, I brought samples of the Cab Franc, the Merlot, and the Cabernet Sauvignon home to ask my wife to help, you know, we were gonna blend it. We yeah. were gonna come up with our first Meritage blend. Okay, yeah. Oh, but I can't say Meritage because we're not part of the Meritage Society. Okay, Meritage type blend. A, a Bordeaux style. <laughs> Bordeaux style, yes. okay, there you go. The Bordeaux style blend. Yes. Uh, and she tasted the, the straight Cab Franc, and she said, oh, yeah, I like this one. And I said, well, that, no, that's just a component that's going to get blended right? into yeah. the, 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 the Bordeaux-style blend. Well, can't we just make it like that just by itself? And I kind of roll my eyes, and I'm thinking it's going to take more work. But sure, honey, <laughs> yeah, we could do that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So we went on finishing the blend, and I promised that I was going to make her 100% Cabernet Franc, which I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold 25 cases of it. Okay. She probably consumed about half of it. <laughs> nice. I should say we. We, we yeah. We, and over time, I'm assuming not in a week. <laughs> yeah, over time. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. it, it instantly became her favorite varietal. Mm-hmm. It became a challenge for me to continue to make Cab Franc in, in a classic style made from the grapes that we're getting here in Sonoma County. In and by classic... It's going to happen and enjoy, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But no, classic style, you were saying, yeah. So in the classic style, again, unsophisticated, we get a, a Cabernet Franc varietal grapes here in Sonoma County that are grown to a little bit more ripeness than you 
traditionally get in Bordeaux. So okay. different parts of France, Bordeaux is probably the premier Cabernet Franc producer. There's another little uh, region near Loire Valley called Chinon. And Chinon has a very different style. Okay. It's a little bit more acid driven. Okay. And it gives you a bit more mouthfeel, a little bit more texture. Okay. It makes the wine more dynamic. So okay. rather than ripening our Cab Franc to this unbelievable, uh, just a phenomenal, big style, yeah, because we can, showing a bit of restraint and having some artistry behind the craftsmanship of it is shows so much more character in in the wine overall obviously we're it's a fruit driven cabernet franc it traditionally has a little bit of a green character the chemicals called pyrazine uh, if you want to be a little bit more sophisticated to yeah. understand that and instead of hiding that we we use that as as a part of the complexity of the cabernet franc varietal Okay. And I think that it's one of the reasons why our Cabernet Franc really stands out because I'm being true to the classical style of the varietal. Nice, nice. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the varietal or the, the grape um, mm -hmm. itself. What is, because I know that they're, they all kind of have their you, things that are unique about them, right? A little thicker skin, a little bigger grape, a little mm -hmm. different cluster. So what about Cab Franc is unique and makes it Cab Franc? Well, it's actually the one of the parent varietals of Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm -hmm. So you've got Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc somewhere back in Roman time blended together and uh, as, as grape varietals on, on the stock, they would have grafted them together. And you've got this new varietal called Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, interesting. Okay. And the yeah, reason, I did not know that. Yeah, and the reason that they were doing that was to try to eliminate that green character that was so predominant in Cabernet Franc. Okay. What they didn't realize was if you just ripen it a little bit more, if you're judicious about your leaf pulling during harvest, so in other words, not having too much canopy, you okay. won't get a big vegetative characteristic in that varietal. Obviously, a red grape is a thick skin, small skin, clustered. What is it? I mean, I know that's a little semi-technical, but I think it kind of helps me anyway. Like, mm -hmm. we, we did an episode on Pinot, and it was temperamental because they're so close together, so they tend to, I don't know, like affect each other or whatever. Is there anything that I think that's maybe a little... And, and I want to talk a little bit about the taste profile because I know that sure. that's a little bit unique. But the first, just the grape itself. And, and one of it is you're saying it's got that greener flavor, but you're mm -hmm. saying... Um, some of that you trim back the leaves and I guess it gets a little bit more sun and it's a little less green in flavor. But right. What else can you tell about the, the, the grape itself? Well, the cluster itself is a medium sized cluster. Okay. Uh, it's fairly loose, meaning that the berries aren't very close together. They're not squished together like Zinfandel or Pinot Noir. So it does allow a little bit more airflow, uh, it, it's, which is a little bit more preventative of, of uh, mildew or bunch rot. Uh, it's a fairly hardy varietal grape as well, so mm -hmm. it can it can take adverse conditions. And remember, we're trying to stress the vines just subtly to in, encourage the, the the deeper complexity in the varietal. Mm -hmm. So by stressing the vines, uh, of course, the, the the grapes would get a little bit stressed too. Pinot and Syrah and Zin will actually dimple or raisin oh, under that stress. But yeah. Cabernet Franc, because it's a thicker skin varietal, 
and and has a good pulpy character to it won't necessarily dimple or or raisin so mm-hmm. it, it, i won't say it's an easy varietal to grow because of the um the leaf pulling and the the vineyard work that goes into it yeah. b- beforehand but compared to zinfandel and you know i hear people talk about pinot being difficult as well which it can be I think it's a it's a pretty easy grape to grow here in Sonoma County. Okay, and now we've talked a little bit about the the so the taste the the greener kind of a, a taste to it. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, I that actually kind of makes sense to me when I first you know delved into wine and people say greener and you're like okay <laughs> you know mm-hmm. sure you know. But I think again it's one of those things that, as I've admitted more than once when I first started drinking it was like red wine or white wine right and that was about how complex my palate was right. right but with time i think you can get to the point where it is greener and again it's it's kind of hard to describe that other than it's just i mean how would you describe greener i mean it, it's kind of a little less ripe or maybe not ripe i don't know how would you yeah so um there's levels of of this green character this pyrazine chemical that is present in and, and pyrazine is directly uh, related to green bell peppers as well. Okay. Or sometimes green beans. Um, okay. Green cracked pepper will also have this um, chemical. And remember, these these are growing in the fruit uh, or the molecularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know during during that process, uh, if it's still present and we pick it, it's it'll translate pretty much all the way through. Uh, into the wine, regardless of how long you age it, it's mm-hmm. always going to have that that green character. Yeah. So, I go from um, the green vegetable being the top, being the most present of the pyrazine, into kind of the lower end, which I call herbaceous. Okay. And an herbaceous character could be more like sage, or on the bottle I write cannabis because it oh, okay. has a little bit of an earthy cannabis-like character, mm-hmm. sage, rosemary, um, even going into a little bit of uh, exotic spice, like maybe cardamom. Okay. So um, green cardamom pod has a little bit of that very, you know, parts per billion of the of the pyrazine, but it also has kind of a, a nice spicy characteristic as well. And that's actually where I was going to go next, because another thing I think that this grape is known for is, is its peppery or spicy mm-hmm. kind of a flavor. And my understanding is that's affected by how long you're leaving it on the vine or, or how you're ripening it, right? Whether you get how much spice and what kind of spice is that? Yeah, the spice varietals, and I consider Cabernet Franc a spice varietal for sure, um, will we'll have that coming in the grape. Now, we can also emphasize that spice varietal uh, with certain oak program that we use. Because typically when you're talking about a spice like a baking spice or chocolate or cinnamon or vanilla, we're talking about the influence of the barrels on the wine as it's aging. Okay. And we want it to be very subtle. Again, we don't want it to be so overpowering that all you get is vanilla and you can't really tell what the varietal is. Yeah. So this goes into the the artistic balance mm-hmm. and and artistic approach of winemaking, in in my opinion. I mean, that's why you can have the exact same grapes from the ex- almost even the same vineyard or right next to each other, whatever, and you can have two completely and utterly different wines that don't taste anything alike, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Uh, I could create two different wines from the same grapes that were picked on the same day from the same vineyard. Yeah. Uh, depends on the style that I'm going for. 
and we have other winemakers that do pick from the same growers and make very different wines. There's a lot of variables that go into it, and my style can be very different from another winemaker's style. Not to say one's better. Oh yeah, no right or wrong. It's preference, right? What drink, right. what you like. We yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it does all kind of come down ultimately. Well, maybe not ultimately. You have to have obviously a good crop, yada, 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 um, ideally. But really it comes down to the winemaker at the end of the day. Because you can have, actually have the best crop in the world and tank it, right? <laughs> or you can have a so-so crop and turn it into something pretty good. Yeah. Yes. It's definitely easier to make good wine from good grapes. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to make good wine from bad grapes. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the don't screw it up factor. Okay. You know, you can get great grapes, screw everything up uh, because you're overproducing is mm-hmm. typically what I say is you, you're doing too much to it. So my philosophy has always been to kind of guide the, the grapes along through fermentation into the aging process and just kind of make sure that they're, they're doing what you're wanting them to do. Yeah. And that's, I, I'm thinking the artist in you there, it's like saying some of the, the, the restraint and or not doing too much. Because for me, I'm not an artist. I, I love to dabble. I love to do it. Um, but, you know, I will do something and then you kind of keep adding or changing or doing something. You got to kind of know when, I think, to, to walk away and not overcomplicate right. what you're doing, right? Right. Well, um, I studied fine arts in college. Um, one of my first lessons was knowing when to stop. <laughs> you know, you can keep futzing with that drawing the rest of your life or you can say yeah that's good enough yeah and you know put a couple touches on it you know in, in art like in wine the aesthetic is what you're looking for is it pleasing to look at a piece of art because the composition is is strong yeah is the wine pleasing to drink because it's complex and it has depth and character and oh by the way it's true to the varietal yeah, yeah, I love that. And then now I've got to ask this is a total completely sidetracked, but do you still paint or, or sketch or whatever your art medium is? Well, winemaking has taken over as my main medium uh, over the last 25 years. However, I, I, I am dabbling in pottery and ceramics a little bit just to keep me focused on life other than the winery. Yeah, you need to have something else, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, anyway, I just thinking yeah. about that you know because because something like this can will kind of channel i think a lot of that and and going to keep you very busy too so i was just kind of curious if you'd held on to some of that and it sounds like you have to a degree anyway yeah i'd like to be more involved in it this well, time of year i'm less involved in it yeah. um and i have times in the off season that that i can be so it's it's nice to be able to dabble and and have that uh, that experience to pull from. Yeah. Well, now you're promoted. So, you know, because you promoted yourself. So you've got people kind of doing the work. So maybe in a couple of years, you can step back a little bit more and do more art, right? Yeah. I don't know that the promotion was actually a great thing because it, <laughs> it means I'm spending a lot more time in the office now. Oh, so, okay. That's not a great promotion. Uh, well, um, it needs to be done. Yes. So it's it's part of uh, growing up and, and being and, and adulting. Uh, we avoid that here. <laughs> <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> No, that, that actually makes sense. It does. Right. It does. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit then about, um, because the Cab Franc, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about it standalone. I think you've talked a lot about what you did that, but it's traditionally known as a blending grape. And that's really, I think, how I was introduced to it and how most people know it. It's mm-hmm. it's also in this wine, right, this blend, or it's used to kind of temper this. So how is it, 
I, I guess maybe it is because of the, the some of the spiciness or the greenness or, or kind of how would you think of it blending, you know, again, thinking for, for people like me, mm-hmm. right? Um, how would I think about that or approach it? Well, traditionally in a, in a Bordeaux style blend that's cab based, you'd have a little bit of Merlot, two, three, four, maybe 5% because it really does start to dominate the characteristic of the wine in even that small amount. The Merlot would act as a um, kind of a mid-palate enhancer. And the the vineyard that we source our Merlot from actually every year has this outstanding long finish. So I, I really rely on the Merlot to, to extend that that texture, that those tannins, the the acidity throughout the finish of the of the wine. The cab create is is the backbone really. We have a big following for our Cab Franc, as we've spoke about. Mm-hmm. So I actually push the amount of Cab Franc that I put in my Bordeaux-style blend okay. because our customers appreciate that and want to taste Cab Franc. Yeah. Even though it, it, it starts to dominate some of the, the, the complexities of the wine, it's still not the Cab Franc. It still has that backbone from the cab and the complexity of the Merlot, but that cab franc comes through and people really like that. So that's a design style that I've put into it and used as a blend that way. I know it's a popular varietal for us, so I'm going to explore it yeah. even more. That makes sense. That makes sense. If that's, you know, people love it as is, then push it all stronger in your blend. I yeah, like that. Right. Um, now, the, and then the uh, standalone, now that. I think for somebody, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, and I'm wrong often, so it's okay. <laughs> but it it might, if if you were new to wine and or just kind of developing your palate or or kind of stuck with I don't know more of the basic stuff, going to a cab franc can be a little strong, overbearing. I think sometimes, but once you get there, it's like I think it, it brings a lot more to it. Is there any kind of truth to that or, or what's your thoughts on that I'm trying to read into the idea of what you're what you're experiencing and and I think in a lot of cases when we're exploring a varietal um, we'll go to to our um, wine shops that have less expensive Cabernet Francs yep. in this case yes. you know so I'm gonna buy some 699 bottles of Cab Franc I'm gonna try maybe a 12.99 one from uh, from from France, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm gonna go wine tasting in Sonoma County, and boy, I'm gonna splurge and buy a 35 or a 45 dollar bottle, and just compare and contrast the differences between these standalone Cab Francs. Mm-hmm. And what you'll typically find out, I mean, you probably already figured this out, but the 6.99 is going to be a little bit lean. It's not gonna have much character to it. It's going to be wet on your palate. You might know that it's red. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it might even be blasting with these pyrazine chemicals, this, this green bell pepper. Mm-hmm. And typically what I would call that is a flawed Cabernet Franc. Oh, okay. It hasn't been grown well. Mm-hmm. And and if it's not grown well, there's nothing you can do to turn it into a good bottle of Cabernet Franc. Well, and in this case, it sounds like, and, and I could be wrong on this too, So, but they're just kind of, I mean, their their focus is putting out a lot of inexpensive wine. So right. they're not paying some attention to, like we were talking about, all the other things that kind of go into all the artistry in it, right? Right. Okay. Well, and, and remember, you've got to consider where this is coming from. 
So if this 699 bottle of Cab Franc is, says on the label, California, it could be only 75% Cabernet Franc from anywhere in California. Mm -hmm. Let's let's move forward to the to the what did I say 1699 bottle. Yeah, yeah. Now you're getting a little bit more varietal character. Instead of saying California on the label, maybe it says North Coast. Okay. So now North Coast is a much bigger region. Well, it's a smaller region from California. Yeah, but it's um, still pretty large overall because right. So a it lot could of be from Mendocino. And, yeah. It could be from Napa. It could be from Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. It could be from anywhere. What well, a lot of that the adjoining is counties. I think what Lake County is doing I think wines so, now. And in a lot North of others. County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. North Coast is is a fairly large appellation. Not yeah. as big as California, mm-hmm. but um, you're getting grapes from anywhere in that area. Cab Franc would have to be 85 percent. Okay. of that bottle but it could be 10 percent of anything else okay again so and typically it it, it will be yeah so uh, you're getting some of the the varietal characteristics you're getting some of the green it may have been toned down on the pyrazine it might not be blasting you with green pepper but you might get some of that dill or green bean and you're thinking, okay, this is definitely better than the 699. Yeah, yeah. So now we're 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 gonna taste the the forty-seven dollar bottle that I make, mm-hmm. which says Cabernet Franc, Dry Creek Valley, Mounts Vineyard, and in fact, in the little copy, I even put what block it's from. Mm-hmm. So this is a and, wine. And just real quick too, because mm-hmm. I learned this, um, and and so some of our Listeners are more sophisticated than others, but the block is the part of the vineyard, right? Correct. So they have like this block and that block, and that can vary even a little bit because this one may get a little more sun, and that one may be, I don't know, a little higher or whatever it may be. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Could, they could be different age. They could be different clones. Um, some winemakers will even put clone four on it or clone one or whatever just to give you more information yeah so you're taking it basically at this point if we were to kind of gps locate i mean you're mm -hmm. taking it down to almost the house right right yeah you're googling that little house right there and saying that's where my grapes came from right exactly okay exactly i like that and it is site specific um it's also honoring the growers that are doing all the hard work to grow it because i'll put their name on the bottle but you'll taste this wine and it's going to be what came from that vineyard. And one year, it might have a higher pyrazine characteristic than the next, and one year it may have a a less, but it's going to be a model of that vintage from that vineyard. And really, again, trying to make it speak for the varietal character. Always the main focus for me. Okay, and that makes sense, and that's why you can come in here and have that Cab Franc, and it's going to be delicious, and it's going to stand on its own. Right. I like it. I like, it. and I did last time I was here. Uh, I walked out with I think at least two bottles, maybe more. Nice. It was delicious. Good. So, um, and I had a couple bottles of other stuff too. And I think today, because uh, I, I did not get the Syrah last time, uh, and that's what we're drinking today. Even though we're talking about the Cab Franc, we're drinking the Syrah just because you guys were talking about it on you know when I first came in and I'm like I have to taste that and now I will walk out with a couple bottles of those today. oh wonderful thank so, you no thank you yeah, you're welcome <laughs> you're making yeah. delicious products so thanks um, is there anything else you kind of maybe want to share about uh, either Cab Franc or winemaking life or anything else I mean you don't have to but if you got anything to throw out there well as I mentioned Cab Franc is my wife's favorite varietal 
it has become a lot of people's favorite varietal. Our guests come in and love the Cabernet Franc. They love the blends that, that are made with it. Uh, it's a, an extraordinary varietal to work with. It's very distinguishable. So if you get a chance as, as the listener to go explore some of these Cabernet Francs, do so. And, and please be open-minded about them and um, go taste them. Come up to Sonoma County. We've got 30 tasting rooms right here around the, around the Healdsburg Plaza. Um, and uh, there's probably a handful of us, maybe five or six of us that are making Cab Franc. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. And definitely come by Thumbprint. I mean, the the wines are amazing. The people are amazing. Um, I love it. I'm going to say it even if you can say it too. But um, while you're doing that, definitely come by Thumbprint. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you're welcome to start here too. We, uh, we're very uh, welcoming. Uh, we're, we're all trained as concierge. So we'll, we'll tell you where to go, have lunch, what other wineries you want to explore. Um, no problem. We have a great referral system here, and we'd love to send you off to the next place that, that, that fits your, your needs. Yeah, yeah. And that, again, I've, I've mentioned, too, I have several friends who are actually members of the winery here, and they said that they, the wines were fabulous, and that's one of the reasons they joined. But another one of the main reasons they joined was because of the staff and the people. And that's why they keep coming back and they always have great experiences. So nice. um, I'll throw that out there. But Thank you. If you can't get to Healdsburg, although you should, they can find you online at thumbprintsellers.com. Okay. Yes. And we do uh, ship to um, most states. We are a small producer and we make our own wines. We are able to ship to uh, most states that we're licensed in. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, you can find out about uh, Unsophisticated Palette. You can give us some feedback, thoughts, ideas for future topics at theunsophisticatedpalette.com. As always, we ask you to rate us, tell friends and neighbors, spread the word about what we're doing here so everybody can enjoy and participate. Uh, And until next time, drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.